0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Old Bridge Baptist Church. Our mission at OBBC is to make disciples of Christ who connect with God, others, ministry, and the lost. We pray that the following sermon will encourage you in your walk with Christ today. Visit us on the web anytime at obb.church. Third day he resurrected and then he ascended into heaven. And then we know that When, after he ascended, he's going to come back, right? The second coming of Christ um, is what we are all waiting for. Uh, But the interesting thing about the second coming of Christ is that no one knows, right, when he's coming. And he even said that, I don't even know. It's up to my father who knows it. But um, based on what's going on in the world, Um, I think one can conclude that um, the second coming of Christ is very near, right? Um, When you read the Bible, it said that God spoke in the Old Testament. The the Bible calls it the the old days, right? So in Hebrews, it said that um, God spoke to the fathers in the old days through the prophets. And then he went on to say that, But in these last days, he is speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So in the old days, the Bible calls it, the the Old Testament, the Bible calls it the old days. In the New Testament, the Bible calls it the last days. And then when you come to the New Testament, the apostles calls it the last hour. We're in the last hour, right? So the old days, the last days, and the last hour. So I say that we are no longer in the last days or not even in the last hour. We are in the last minute or the last second, right? <laughs> because look at what's going on in the world. Um, the, the second coming of Christ, no one knows when it's coming, but we see everything that's going on in the world. And the Bible said that um, our Lord will come like a thief, right? He's not going to tell you a day before he comes. He's just going to come, right? Because the Bible said he's going to come like a thief. And when a thief is coming to rob someone, they don't tell you prior. They just come. And if you're not prepared, then that individual just does what he needs to do. So I believe, based on what's going on, I mean, look at coronavirus, right? The second coming is like corona. No one knew that coronavirus was coming. I mean... Um, it was in January that a co-worker told me that, hey, have you heard of that virus in China? I was like, what well, What virus? I don't know about it. And then she's like, yeah, there's something going on in China. I was like, okay. I didn't, it didn't really bother me. And actually, I actually also traveled in February. I went to Ghana in February when the whole thing was going on. But I didn't, I didn't know, right? And then I was like, oh, wow, what, what is this? Man, it just came suddenly. And then you just know that the whole world, right? It started in one place and now it's spreading throughout the whole world. No one knew that it was going to get this far. So I said all that to say that the second coming of Christ is just going to come suddenly. And the question that I have for each one of us this morning is that, are we all ready for the second coming of Christ? The question that I have to ask myself is, Am I ready for the second coming of Christ? Are we all ready for the second coming of Christ? Because it, it's going to come suddenly. And then it said that his first coming, he came as a lamb. But his second coming is going to come like a lion. So that's the question. Are we ready for the second coming of Christ? Am I ready? Right? Because I'm going to preach to you, but I'm also, I also need the message to So I'm preaching to all of us, me included. So the question is, are we ready for it? So because of the second coming of Christ is near, there is a theme in the Bible, right, that I think especially in the New Testament, that from the whole New Testament, right, Romans all the way, especially the apostles, kind of touched on it. All the way to Revelation. Um, it said that um, we should even be more diligent to make our call and election sure. Because the sec- we don't know when the second coming is. But we, wa- we, we want to make sure that when Christ comes, the second time, we will be on his side, right? Because so, if you're not on his side, then you're, you're going to hell. Which is not good. We want to be on Christ's side. That's why the apostle said, let's make sure our calling and election is sure. Right? So another place, it's also said that um, we should examine ourselves to whether you are in the faith. And that we should also test ourselves. All right. So examine yourself, test yourself, whether you are in the faith. Test yourself whether you are in the faith. And that's exactly what we are going to do this morning. We are going to examine ourselves. We are going to test ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith. The Bible said these things. He's talking about the whole Bible, right? These things I have written to you, those who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The Bible wants us to know. The Bible wants us to have assurance that we have Christ. So that at his second coming, it's not a surprise to us, right? So that's what we are going to do today. We are going to test our faith. Do we have the true faith? Are we in Christ? Are we born again? Have we been justified by faith? In Matthew, it said that, um, Not everyone who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, right? He's talking about the last day, when he comes back. Many who will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Right? So people will do wonders, signs, and all that stuff. Thinking that, wow, I have Christ. And then our Lord will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You say, oh, but Lord, I I knew you. Like I came to church every Sunday. Like my parents are Christians. I grew up in a Christian home. Like, I'm all that. But then he would say, yeah, that is true. You thought you knew me, but I never knew you. It's his knowledge of you, right? You can say, okay, I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. But then based on Matthew 7, it said, and he would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So I think it's really important That we test our faith. Look at Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Christ. And then, you know, he was going to ask Christ. Like, I thought we, as the Pharisees, right, we are like the religious people. I thought when the Messiah comes, he's going to bring us into his team. And then we are going to be like the, you know, like the big people. And then Jesus Christ said, no, you have to be born again. Imagine if Nicodemus didn't know that, right? And then the second coming, Nicodemus thinking, oh, I'm a Pharisee. I know the law. No, the Bible said that he's a teacher of the Jews. But then our Lord Jesus Christ told him, you have to be born again. Unless one is born again, they will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. So I think it's really important that we all test our faith to make sure That we are in Christ before the second coming. And I think this is the right time because we don't know what's gonna happen next year. Because Christ might come even this afternoon. He might come tomorrow. He might come next year. The world is unpredictable now. I even heard on the news that there's come there's a second wave of the virus. Right? So imagine if you, you don't have Christ, imagine all the people who passed away without Christ. Or even those who came to church every Sunday, but they they never tested their faith. They thought, you know, they knew Christ. But on a judgment day, Christ might say, I never knew you. So that's what we are going to do today. And it's just going to be two tests, right? The first test is the test of sin. And the second test is the test of obedience. Okay, test of sin and test of obedience So the test of sin is going to come from, um, you know, 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5, all the way to chapter 2, verse 2, okay? So that's the test of sin. And then I'm just going to read the second half of chapter 2, which is the test of obedience. So the test of sin and the test of obedience. And I'm not making this up. We read it directly from the Scriptures, That was shown on the screen, right? That was shown on the screen. So, the test of sin and the test of obedience. So, the test of sin, verse 5, right? Verse 5, it said, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. So, the Apostle John is speaking here. He said, when you go back, in the beginning of First John chapter 1, it said that what we have seen with our eyes, we have touched with our hand. It's what we, what we declare to you. He's saying that we have actually lived with God the Son on this earth. We have seen him, we have touched him, we've walked with him. So what I'm going to tell you is not something that I made up. The apostle is saying, well, it is something that he actually told us to deliver to you as the body of Christ. And that's why he said, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And and I'm reading from the New King James Version. I know um, what was read was from the um, ESV. So it said, God is light in him, There is no darkness at all. So what does it mean when he said, what does he mean when he said God is light? Uh, Our Lord Jesus Christ said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So another way of saying that God is light is saying that God is the way, the truth, and life. So God is light means that God is the truth. And what is truth? Truth is some, the, the, exactly what something is. So for you to have, for you to have um, a meaningful life, you need to have that life. Because life, the light, is the truth. And truth is what something really is. So for you to live life as God intended you to to live, you need that light. That's why the Bible said, in him is life, and that life is the light of man. The life of man, the meaning of existence, is in God, which is that light. And we all need that light. So when the Bible talks about God is light, another way of saying that God is the way, the way to life, For you, if you want to live life as God intended you to live, you have to go through the way, which is God himself. You need to find the truth, which is God himself. And you need life. And the Bible said, in him is life. Life as God intended it to be is in God himself. It's in Christ. And that life is the light of man. So when we talk about light... That's one meaning of it, that God is light. Another meaning is that God is free of sin. God is free of deceit, right? God cannot sin. The Bible said that um, God is not a man that he should lie, right? God cannot sin. It is, it is impossible for God to sin because, of it, because he's light. The Bible said the light came into the world. And the world could not comprehend it. The world could not overcome that light because it is impossible for God to sin. And another meaning of light is that God is holy. God is pure, right? Um, he, He dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or no one can see. The glory of God. And when the Bible said God is light, it means the glory of God, the majesty of God. It also means that the righteousness of God, that God is right. He does right things. God cannot make a mistake. God cannot make an error. God is not sinful. There is no sin at all, right? And that's why he qualified in in him. There is no darkness at all. It's all light, It's all life. It's all glory, majesty, righteousness, and holiness. So that's a foundational verse, right? So he's going to pick up from verse 6 and explain himself. But he wanted to make sure that we have the foundation, which is that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. There is no darkness at all. And then... He moves on to verse 6 and 7. He said, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, which is the light, right? If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So he said, if we, right, so now he's going to apply it, right? So he doesn't just give you foundations and theory. He said, well, now let's apply it. Right? I told you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then he comes and he said, okay, if you say then that you have fellowship with this light and walk in darkness then you lie. Because that's not who God is. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. So now, what does He mean by if we have fellowship with Him? Um, The meaning of that is that if we say that we have fellowship, it means that we have a relationship with God. That we say that we are children of God. That we say that we have been born again. Right? So, If we say that we have a relationship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So that's what that if we have fellowship with him, if we say that we have a relationship with him, if we say that we have been born again, our names have been written in the books of life and we walk in darkness, we lie because he said in verse five, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So, be, I, I'm, and I'm gonna explain more of what he means, right? Because that's where, this is the first test, right? The if we say, right? So, if you are sitting here as a believer, right? As a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, and if you say that you have fellowship with God, but then you walk in darkness, there's something not right. I didn't, I didn't say it, right? He said, we lie, then you are a liar. <laughs> Which is a strong word, right? And I didn't make it up. It's what the scriptures is saying. So why and why is the, why is he saying all these things? Well, the first thing is that because of Adam's sin in the garden, everyone who is born into this world is born a sinner. We are born into the kingdom of darkness which is the devil's kingdom, everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. As long as you are born, you are born into the kingdom of darkness. But then through the gospel, we come to know Christ, right? And then we are born again, or another word for it is that we've been regenerated. God has regenerated our heart, right? So because of Adam, we are sinners. But then because of Christ, We then have a relationship with God, right? Um, That's why the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, right? And it said, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who liveth in me, right? And God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His marvelous light. So when we come to Christ... We are no longer under the the kingdom of darkness. We've now been delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his marvelous light. And because we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, sin has no longer, sin has no dominion over us anymore. The power of sin, which ruled over us in the kingdom of darkness, no longer has dominion. Over us. Now we are under a new power. Which is the power of God. Right? That's why he's saying that. If we say. That we have. If we say that we've been born again. And still walk. As if we have not been born again. Then we. We are liars. Right? So it is impossible. For a Christian. To go back to the way that he used to live, right, before he came to Christ. Because that's darkness. Now we've come to light. And that word walk, I mean, he's not saying that a Christian will not sin. He's saying that you cannot walk. It cannot be your habit. It cannot be your lifestyle. It cannot be your pattern of life, right? You can't say, okay, I'm born again. I'm in Christ, but I'm just going to leave the same way that I used to live when I I was in the world, before I came to Christ. He said, it is impossible. It is impossible. And then the apostle Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. How shall you who died to sin... Live any longer in it. And when he, when he says die to sin, he means died to the power of sin. Died to the dominion of sin. So before I came to Christ, sin had dominion over me. Even though I, might, I wasn't conscious of that, right? Or maybe I didn't know it. But that was, my re, that, was my, that was a reality in my life. Sin had dominion over me. But now that I have come to Christ, sin does not have dominion over you. He said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you are no longer under the law, but you are now under grace. So that's what it is. So it is inevitable that a born-again Christian walk in newness of life. So that's why the apostle is saying in verse 6, he's saying, Well, if you say that you've been born again, you cannot just continue to walk the same way that you walked when you were in the world. So I'm just going to read that again so we all understand. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say that we have been born again, and then walk, which is our, which is our habit of life, which is our character, which is our behavior. If we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, but if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's the first test. If we say that we are are Christians, we have to walk in a manner. Right, The Bible said, walk worthy of the calling in which you have been called. That's the walk of a Christian. So that's the first test, the test of sin. Are you walking like a Christian out to walk? Or is your whole pattern of life the same way before you came to Christ? And I'm not saying, which I'm going to explain next, I'm not saying that a Christian does not sin or a Christian does not fall. That's, what, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your pattern of life when you examine your life is it more closer to the bible or more closer to the world if it's more closer to the world then you that's see that's why the bible is saying examine yourself test yourself right because he's saying if you say you walk in the light you have to walk just as he walked not just as in darkness which we have already passed that we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness To the kingdom of his marvelous light. Marvelous light. So that's verse 6 and 7. That's the first test. And then he he goes on in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. <laughs> right? So he just said that, right? If we say that we, right, we are in the light, we should walk as the light. Right? Our pattern of life has to uh, mimic the light. Not mimic darkness. And in verse 10 he's saying, if we say that we have not sinned, what is he saying here? Well, what he's saying is that not because he said we should walk in light doesn't mean that we are not going to sin, right? He, we don't, as Christians, we don't believe in sinless perfection. We don't believe that a Christian will not sin. It's, it's possible a Christian will sin, right? a Christian will fall. So even though that we have been born again, we are still going to sin because we have indwelling sin in us, right? Pastor Stan preached that last week. We have the characteristics of the old nature in us, right? It's possible a Christian will lie, um, get angry, lie, anger, wrath, clamor, evil speaking of other people. Yes, a Christian will sin. But, He's saying that, and the truth, verse 9, if we confess our sins, so another test is that when a Christian sins, when someone who has been born again sins, the Holy Spirit will convict him of their sins. And then the Holy Spirit will lead that individual to confess. Because sin, now that we are in the light, sin is not uncomfortable when a believer sins, it makes him uncomfortable. So that's why he's saying that if we confess he's faithful and just, and God is faithful and just to forgive us, God will forgive us our sins. So when we accept, right? So the first test is that we walk, we have, as we, because we are in the light, our pattern of life has to walk, has to be in the light. And the second, I'll call that test A and test B. Here is that when we sin, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sins. And and then we will be led to confession. So I said here that conviction will always lead to confession. So another test is that when we sin, God will convict us of our sins. Sin will make you uncomfortable. It will even bother you that sometimes you can't even sleep. The the hand of God, the heavy hand of God, will be resting upon you till you confess your sins. Right? King King David in Psalm 51, he said, A broken and a contrite heart, God will never despise. So that's what it is. He said that, that my bones are broken. Right? They're dry bones. And he's, he's asking God for forgiveness of sins when he committed adultery with Bathsheba in the Old Testament. So a, a subtest under the, the test of sin is that when a Christian sins, there's conviction. And that conviction will lead... And that, this test... I mean, me personally, like I see that in my life. Like sometimes I will say something to my wife that I'm not supposed to say and I'll kind of brush it off and I'll go to sleep and then I'll wake up in the morning and it's like, I just feel like there's something in my heart, right? That God, the Holy Spirit is just convicting me that I have to confess and He will forgive us. So that's a test. That when you sin, if you call yourself a Christian and sin doesn't bother you, Sin doesn't make you uncomfortable, and it's like you just live in your life anyway, anyhow, and you just go right. And there is no conviction. You are not uncomfortable because you have sin. Then, the Bible saying that you are a liar. They always ta- because that's that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He will convict. He will convict, and he said, "If we so conviction will bring confession, right?" Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us, right? Because the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. <laughs> so if you call yourself a Christian and you sin, you don't get any conviction. It doesn't bother you and you just leave your way anyhow. Then he said that the word, then his word is not in you. Then his word is not in you. His word in you. So just some few questions before I move on to the next one. I'm going to do really quick. Uh, Do you have a strong desire that the things you used to do, you don't want to do them anymore? Some questions that you want to ask yourself, right? The stuff like I don't wanna, like it's like I don't want to go back to how I used to be. Do you have a new desire, a new taste, a new outlook in life? It's like I want more and more of God. I don't want more and more of the world. Do you hate sin? Does sin bother you? Do you get uncomfortable when you sin? And do you get convicted and uncomfortable and feel the heavy hand of God on you when you sin until you confess it and God forgives? Because he said, I'm faithful. He's faithful. He he promised that he would forgive. And when you confess, God will forgive. God will forgive. So that's the test of sin. And then he starts In chapter 2, right? Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That means that so that you may continue in the light. Right? So that your pattern of life may agree with the light. So that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, which we've already said that a Christian will sin. But what happens is that when you sin, you get convicted. And then through conviction, you go to confession. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the whole world, right? So it is because of the finished work of God that guarantees that when we confess our sins, God will always forgive us. Because Jesus Christ is the propitiation Jesus Christ has appeased the anger of the Father. And because the anger of the Father has been appeased, God is able to forgive us our sins. So that is kind of like justification, but we still need cleansing, right? He said if we, in chapter 1, he said if we keep on walking in the light, then the blood of Jesus will cleanse our sins. So the more we walk in the light, we become more and more like Christ. That's what it means. The more we walk in the light, we become more and more like Christ. And it is because of Christ that we are all here. It is because of Christ that our sins have been forgiven. It is because of Christ. So I'm just going to quickly do the test of obedience, right? So we've just touched on the test of sin. Now I'm just going to do Test of obedience. So verse 3 of chapter 2. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. Again I'm not saying this. It is is the apostle John who's writing this right. (laughs) He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments. is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, out himself also to walk just as he walked. You see verse 6, is interesting. It's, he's kind of like summing up everything we just said, right? He who says he abides in him. He who says he has a relationship with him. He who says he has been born again. He who says he's a Christian. In him, out himself. like It is inevitable that that individual who confesses faith in Jesus Christ also walk just as Jesus Christ walked, which is the light, right? And then I'm just going to keep reading. Because it's, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you, have, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Verse 8, again, a new commandment I write to you, which then is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And in verse 9, even though it wasn't part of my whole thing, but I'm just reading it. Because he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So this is the test of obedience, right? The test of obedience is that if you say you abide in him, then you are going to obey his commandments. And, and the commandments of God are summarized in two. The first is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is that we should love our neighbors as ourselves, right? But then in the, that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ said that you should love one another just as I have loved you, right? So he says, if, verse 9, he who says he's, he's in the light. And hates his brother. That means he's not obeying the second commandment. It's in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. And does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The darkness has blinded his eye. A proof that we love God is that we obey his commandments. So if you call yourself a Christian and you don't obey the commandments of God, and you think the commandments are like a burden unto you, then the Apostle Apostle John is saying that you are a liar. You don't have the true faith. Because he said that in, he said in the same first john chapter 5 verse 3 he said for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome his commandments are not burdensome his commandments are not burdensome we want to keep the commandments of god we don't want to keep, the bible said don't love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world then the love of the father is not in him For what is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of possession, which is not from the Father, but from the world. And the Bible said, this world is passing away with its lust. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Right? You remember what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 7? He said, I never knew you. Depart from you, you workers of iniquity. Because you don't obey my word. You don't obey my word. Right? You don't obey my word. I'm, I'm going back to Matthew 7 again. Sorry that I'm, it's like back and forth. <laughs> Matthew 7. You remember our Lord was ending his sermon on the mount. He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Right? So you hear it and you do them. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So the test of obedience is that we want to obey God's word. It's not burdensome to us. We have a desire to obey the word, right? And I said something here. The test of sin and obedience go hand in hand. The more we hate sin, the more we want to obey the word of God. We don't want to be like the people in the world. So if you are sitting here and you don't want to be like the world, it's like, I want want the word of God. I want to obey God. You see, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, right? Just as as strong, it's like, I want the word of God. I want to follow God. Then you are in good path. But if you call yourself a Christian and you just live anyway, anyhow, it doesn't bother you when you sin, the commandments of God. Whenever you come, let's say you come to church and you hear the word of God, and you hear Pastor Stan tell you to do something like, right? Don't be like the world. Um, live holy. Do that. And, it, and you, you, it just bothers you. Then you don't have the true faith. You don't have the true faith. So some questions here: Do you love the word of God? Do you have? Do you desire to read the word of God? When you've not read it for days, does it bother you? It's like, oh man, I've not read the Word. I have to to go into the Word. I I need to get more, right, of the Word of God. Because the test is that I will obey His commandment and His commandments are in the Word. Do you have a strong desire to to be like Christ? To be more and more like Christ? Because it is only through obeying his commandments that will make you more and more like Christ. That will make you more and more like Christ. So the test of sin, right? If you say that you are a Christian and you walk like an unbeliever, the Bible said you are a liar. Your pattern of life has to follow the light. It has to follow Christ. You have to walk just as Christ walked. That's a test 1A. 1B is that when you sin, the Holy Spirit will convict you. It will make you uncomfortable. It will make you want to repent. It will make you, King David said, cleanse me, cleanse my heart, purify me, give me a new heart, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. That's the heart of a true Christian when they sin. That God have sinned. I know that the Holy Spirit has convicted me. I confess my sins. And when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you all your sins. Amen. And that's the test of sin. 1A, 1B. And then we go to the test of obedience. He said, well, if you say that you are a Christian, a believer, and you don't obey God's commandment. Again, he's not talking about sinless perfection. No. He's talking about a desire, a process your habit, your lifestyle, right? That you just want the Word of God and it bothers you when you you sin, then you are in the light. And he said we ought to walk just as he walked. And he said his commandments are not burdensome because look at what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. He has given us his own son. So we also want to give him everything that we have through obedience, through obedience, so that's the conclusion of my message. Um, don't be like the, the 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 um ten virgins, right? Do you remember the parable in Matthew 25, right? They all they were all waiting for the bridegroom, and then five of them had oil in their lamp, right, and the other five didn't have it. They were just chilling, and then when they announced that the bridegroom is coming, now that they're going to ask for oil, no, you can't go back. It's done. When, you, when the door is closed, it's closed. So this is the time, if you feel in your heart, that, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I have Christ. I don't think I'm born again. This is the time for you to confess your sins. This is the time for you to come back to Christ, and Christ will forgive you all your sins. Amen? Amen. All right, let us pray. Father, we come before you again in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. We bless you. We glorify you. You said if we say that we walk, if we say that we are in the light and we walk in darkness, then we are liars. So, Father, I pray for anyone here who does not know you. I pray that they will make their election and call sure. And I pray that they may examine themselves. And even those who thought that, You know, Father, they are believers, but then when it comes to the test of sin and the test of obedience, it's not a reality in their lives. We pray that you may touch their hearts. We pray that they may examine themselves, and we pray that they may come to you. Bless each one of us, be with us, protect us, and deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.